0: This morning we reach chapter 8 of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians as Paul once again addresses another question from the church at Corinth. These questions didn't grow out of academic discussions or theoretical concerns. The Corinthians wanted to know as followers of Christ how they should act in matters of daily life and work. Over the last couple of weeks we've been dealing with issues of human relationships. Today we make a bit of a turn into something quite different. In verse 1 Paul says now about food sacrifice to idols. Now I'm fairly certain that when you're shopping for meat at the butcher or the supermarket your number one question is not has this meat been offered to idols? Now, I wonder how many of you are watchers of MasterChef or Kitchen Rules. If you are, you are a food expert, aren't you? So, when we shop for meat, we might all have slightly different priorities. Is it price? Is it the cut of meat? Do you have a preferred T-bone, porterhouse, rump, eye fillet? Is it grain-fed? grass-fed, organic? Does it come from your local area? We can be governed by the latest trends or there might be ethical principles that govern what we buy. But the Corinthians really did want to know if it was acceptable to eat food, in particular meat that had been offered, sacrificed to idols. It's telling that Paul doesn't launch straight into an answer or an explanation. Instead, he writes about knowledge. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The Corinthians would have placed great importance on knowledge but Paul warned them that knowledge can make people think they're more special more important or more powerful than they really are when an animal puffs themselves up to scare off or distract a predator it's a bluff it's an illusion relying on knowledge is a bit like blowing up a balloon as the balloon gets bigger and bigger, the risk is that it will blow up in your face. So it is with knowledge. Only love, not knowledge, actually builds up individuals and communities. Knowledge is just the first step. Applying that knowledge in love is the only way to ensure the health and well-being of a Christian community. This morning, we'll examine the question about food and idols. We'll explore Paul's answer and see how Paul applies that answer with the principle of love. What was happening in Corinth with regards to food and idols? Obviously, Paul is writing back to the church at Corinth, so he doesn't give an explanation Well, in 1st century Corinth, most of the meat available for purchase had been offered to idols. A portion of the meat was offered to the deity, a portion was taken home by the worshipper, and a portion was assigned to the priest, which could be eaten by them or sold to the general public. It was sold in two different contexts. The first, it was customary to gather for a social meal in pagan temples, consuming meat that was readily identifiable as being offered to foreign gods. The second was that the meat was sold in the marketplace, where it was impossible to know for sure if it had been offered to idols, but the chances were that it had been. So as we consider this question about food and idols, let's take a quick tour back through the Old Testament let's have a look at the rules and regulations about food. In the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. But this was expanded when God blessed Noah after the flood in Genesis chapter 9. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. There appeared to be no restriction on what people could eat. We fast forward to Leviticus chapter 11, which God gave very specific instructions about which animals could be eaten, as animals were divided into clean and unclean. Now, if you want to have a look at the list of foods that were outlawed, There are probably many things that you wouldn't want to eat anyway. But the purpose of these laws were threefold. They gave the Israelites an opportunity to be obedient. They separated the Israelites from their pagan neighbours and they helped to protect the health of the people. But we have to go back to Exodus in chapter 34 as God gave instructions to Moses about how the Israelites were to enter the promised land to hear a warning about food sacrificed to idols. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. So this wasn't a direct prohibition as such, but a warning that associating with people who sacrifice food to idols and then eating with them could draw people, could draw them away from God. So this was the context for this question about food and idols. The Corinthians were in conflict over a whole range of issues What's not entirely clear here is whether this was a debated issue within the church or whether a powerful group within the church wanted Paul to validate their practice of eating food sacrificed to idols, disregarding the concerns of others. So we turn now to Paul's answer, and we see that in verses 4 and 8. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and there is no God but one. Food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we don't eat or if we do eat. We could summarise Paul's answer this way. Food is just food, and idols are nothing. So it's okay to eat food sacrificed to idols. You can eat whatever you want Paul made it clear that the offering of meat to idols didn't change the meat why? because idols are nothing a statue is just that a statue an object made out of stone or wood or metal nothing more after all there is only one living God Paul emphasised that even if there are so called gods whether in heaven or on earth, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through him all things came and through whom we live. Jesus himself spoke about how food cannot make a person spiritually unclean. When challenged about the way Jesus and his disciples ate, he replied with this, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. That's Mark chapter 7. The disciples didn't really understand what Jesus was saying, so privately he said, Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. But within Paul's answer, there's a clue that the issue is not quite as simple. He wrote, not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it... As having been sacrificed to a God, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Even though the food wasn't changed by the act of sacrifice, there were some people who still saw it as a sacrifice. And so, this is what influenced Paul's application of his answer to daily life, which he now turned his attention to. In summary, the right thing to do is not governed by knowledge of what is right and permitted, but is governed by love of neighbour and concern for building up the community of believers. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. So Paul clarifies his answer, reminding the Corinthians that there is more to consider, more to consider than what is right namely the brother or sister who has a weak conscience. Some believers, especially those with a recent experience of idol worship, were still very sensitive concerning this issue and considered it morally wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Paul says, "...under no circumstances should a believer encourage another believer to violate his conscience." Paul made the principle clear. Our actions can never be based only on what we know to be right for ourselves. We also need to consider what is right towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's easy for us to say, I answer to God and God alone, and to ignore our brothers and sisters. It's true, we will answer to God and God alone but we will answer to God for how we have treated our brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus says that Christian community is defined by love. He said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another let's consider an issue that is more relevant for today. Alcohol is a concern for many within the church. The Bible doesn't outlaw alcohol, but certainly warns about the dangers of excess consumption. From Proverbs 23, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Paul wrote in Ephesians, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. There are many different approaches to alcohol within the church. Some who choose not to drink because they simply don't like it. There are some who choose not to drink as a sign of purity and holiness. There are some who choose not to drink because they have a problematic relationship with alcohol and can't control what they drink. Here, Paul's words are so relevant. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Drinking alcohol is permitted, but when we invite people to drink alcohol or even pressure them to drink against their conscience, we sin and we cause them to sin and the consequences for them can be really quite serious. The conscience of a fellow Christian is more important than our own individual freedom. Doing something that is permitted should never hinder the spiritual health of someone else. I'm fairly certain that the issue of food sacrifice to idols is not a live issue here at St. Barthes. But the principle that Paul applies in this matter is relevant for our life as individual Christians and as a community. Our life should not be guided simply by what we are allowed to do, but whether our actions are helping to point others to Jesus and helping others to stay faithful to Jesus. Whether it be food or alcohol or dancing or music or clothing, a whole range of other things we could consider. Yes, we need to think about and know what is right, but we must also consider the needs of others. We glorify God and honour our brothers and sisters in Christ when we limit our freedom for the spiritual benefit of others. Let us pray for help with that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the one living God. We thank you that you are our father from whom all things come and for whom we live. We thank you for our one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live because of what he has done for us on the cross. We thank you for the freedom that we have. Help us by your spirit to exercise that freedom in love making sure that the things that we do are never a stumbling block for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.